So the big question is this. How do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. This podcast is sponsored and supported by my good friends at Hunted. Last year, Hunted helped over 300,000 recruiters all across the world. They're dedicated to improving not just the industry, but your place within it. If you want to be a better recruiter, have more resilience, see greater success in your recruitment career, or simply change jobs or country, then you need to check out hunted.com. I'd love you to check it out and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. And today I have a very special guest who's flown all the way from Brazil, the most traveled rec- uh, recruitment rollercoaster guest to date. Um, I'm joined by Ricardo Bevilacqua. That was okay, wasn't it? The pronunciation. That was okay, perfect. Yeah, been practicing that for about two minutes before I did that. Um, who is the global CEO of a recruitment business called uh, G4 Global Partners. And um, really excited to have you, Ricardo. And I think where a great place to start would be, I think you do it justice in terms of an introductory to you and uh, your business. So let's start there. Yeah, thank you very much, Hisham, for being part of this. Uh, uh, very uh, interesting. Uh, we heard a lot of, uh, of good things about you okay. uh, through our team in Miami. So this uh, is a pretty well-known program in the US. That's exciting. Um, hopefully we can uh, add value here yeah. uh, for all the recruiters that are listening to it to this. Uh, quick uh, info about G4. So we are uh, an international search firm. Uh, we operate right now in 50 countries. 50. 50, five okay. zero. Uh, we have hired in more than 180 cities worldwide. Wow. Uh, 80 people working for us right now. Um, and the interesting thing is that uh, we have approximately 350 active clients. Wow. Uh, out of these 350 active clients, we work a lot on the private equity industry yeah. and their portfolio companies. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing is that we do the specialized recruitments. Yeah. We also do the market mappings. Yeah. We do assessments. Yeah. And we now started to do some of the temp services. Okay, so more contracts, temp. More contracts, okay. yeah, yeah. And just to finalize that then, and then how many, so obviously you're located in different uh, parts of the world, so where, where do you, how many offices do you have and in what locations? Perfect, so the majority of our offices right now are in Latin America, Okay. simply because when we decided to expand, uh, this was the region where there was less competition. Yeah easier to build up the business yeah. at the time. So we have two offices in Brazil, Sao yeah. Paulo and Rio. We have an office in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Yeah. 
one office in Santiago, Chile. Okay. One office in Lima, Peru. Yeah. One office in Bogota, Colombia. Yeah. Um, one office in Mexico City. Yeah. And then North America. We have an office in Miami, Florida, and in Vancouver, Canada. Okay. Uh, we have an office in London. Yeah. The UK. Uh, and we are to op uh, about to open in Milan, yeah. Italy, and New York City. Wow. So, Safe yeah, to say you have pretty, a lot going on Pretty busy, Ricardo. pretty busy, exactly. <laughs> very busy, very busy, yeah. Okay, um, so just to sort of finalize that then, and this business you started by yourself, like are you the sole owner of this business or did you start with another person? Yeah, so that's, that's a really good question. Uh, we started this business um, eight years ago, approximately. Yeah. As I was telling you, I don't count the years. I yeah, prefer sure not to put pressure. Quickly. Exactly, I don't put pressure on this. And um, we built this business when we started with actually uh, three or four other partners at the time. Okay. And uh, when we decided the name, uh, I actually thought about G due to the fact that we were going to be global. Yeah. And four as, you know, four, Four, four places of the world, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, G4. Exactly. So that's so why started we started. with how many other partners? Uh, so we had actually one partner in Sao Paulo, and we actually had two partners in Rio. So we were okay. a total of four. Okay, great. But when we opened the business, we started at the same time in Sao Paulo, Rio, Santiago, Chile, mm. and Miami, Florida. Okay. I was and living in Miami at the time. And you're now the global CEO of this enterprise. Exactly. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. So before we go into that, because I'm really excited to go into that journey, where I always like to start on this show is, how did uh, Ricardo enter the, the lovely world of recruitment? How did yeah. that happen? That's, that's quite an interesting story because I've been in this business now for 19 years and a half. Wow, I'm, so, I've been alive for 26. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I say my age? Yeah, yeah of course you can. I, I don't know. You know, like in the US, sometimes you cannot speak about this. But like, I'm I'm 45 years old. Yeah. When I started in this business, you definitely I definitely don't look 45, by the way. Well, thank like, you, you, thank you. It's great. it's the suntan. It's the suntan. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically, I I started when I was 26 years, okay, years old. Okay, amazing. And I've been in this business uh, for 19 years. Yeah. The interesting thing that I always like to say is that since I'm 26, I've never worked again. Because wow. I have passion for what I do. Really? So I don't consider this work. And the, um, the best part of this is that I started my career, my professional career in Sao Paulo. Okay. Uh, in a really nice job. And is that where you were born? Bank. Sorry? So it's kind of exactly. that's where you grew up. Okay. Yeah. So basically I was born and raised in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah. Uh, my parents are uh, Brazilian. My father, he's half Brazilian, half Italian. Yeah. Uh, but I was... I studied in American school. So okay. I had a, like maybe a lot of the American culture since I was young. Yeah. And I had a chance to live in the US for six months. I lived in Portland, Oregon. Oh, wow. Uh, but uh, my first dream was I wanted to be a football player. Really? And I was actually pretty good. And we're talking football American player. football here, yeah? Just no, 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 no. We're talking about like... Soccer. I, I would probably be playing like Man City or really? Liverpool, something like was that. Was you good? Yeah, I was. I was pretty good. What position? I was did you pretty play? good. Uh, I was. I was forward. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was forward. Yeah, pretty okay. good. So that pretty was your, good that, was, that was your first goal. Uh, that was my first goal. Really? So um, the thing is that in, uh, in in I had to stop playing football to to work. Really? They had to work, and I got a a pretty good job at Citibank okay. in São Paulo. It was a pretty nice job because first I started. 
and that's the interesting piece. I did an internship yeah. in the HR department ah. recruiting people. Okay. For which, Citibank, so. For Citibank. Like corporate, in your world, a corporate recruiter, right? You work e for one business. Exactly. Okay. But as an intern. Yeah. And this was not expected. This was not what I thought I would do. But I loved it. Uh, and it was quite interesting because in uh, the person that hired me at the time in City, uh, this lady, I think she was simply, you know, she had too many things to do. So she was simply letting me do my there job. Go, yeah. And uh, But I didn't have any training. Wow. Um, Shots in the deep end. Exactly. So I stayed there for six months. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting because one day, and this is a nice story to say, because one day I sat down in a table in Citibank yeah. to have lunch. And there was this director sitting down by my side. And I was just speaking to my friends that were other interns about, you know, my career, what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that I spoke English, I wanted more. So this guy approaches me and he starts speaking to me and asking me about like, hey, what do you do? Mm. So I heard you study in American school, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line, this guy was the head of the audit team for Latin America. Okay. And he invited me during this lunch to move from HR and to work in audit. Right. And I said, I'm moving forward. So I went so, to so audit. So in audit, was this recruitment? No. Oh, it okay. was audit. literally working in the audit team. Oh, wow, so, okay. So it was quite funny because I didn't have any type of experience. Yeah. But I was a uh, pretty you, good communicator. You, yeah, okay. Yeah, with a lot of energy, willing yeah. to learn. Um, very, if I could say maybe I had maybe this sympathetic approach mm. and he thought it would be good to have this uh, in the audit team. Okay. So I worked with, uh, with them for basically two years of my life. Okay. Uh, until I said, you know what, I want to move mm -hmm. uh, to a sales position, and I went to work in the private banking business. Okay. And this was very nice because the private banking business in Citibank at the time was, I would say, considered one of the best jobs to have. To have, yeah. So what uh, are you? You know, in the industry. Are you dealing with say. like high net worth individuals and exactly. helping them? Okay. So this is where the doors opened to me, and I started yeah. to understand like the Front business reality. Exactly. Uh, and I was not in the front completely because I was supporting the banker. Oh, okay, okay. So I was not running the show. Yeah. But it was uh, was a pretty nice opportunity to start understanding, you know, like how to sell, yeah. how to position yourself, how to communicate mm. with these high net worth individuals that can be very, very uh, tough. Yeah, for sure. You know, in a conversation. Uh, but the problem was that I hated the job. Uh, because I was not running the show and I wanted to be in the front line. Yeah, yeah. So, so did you meet a lot of high net worth recruiters? Uh, not really. Oh. <laughs> not <laughs> I thought really. that would have been the perfect not story. Really. Not really. I met this recruitment business owner who came in. Exactly, no. <laughs> exactly. So the interesting piece of all this before talking about how I got in is that I honestly was not a successful uh, uh, person from a professional standpoint. I had worked in HR for short period of time yeah. then I worked in audits but not with a bright future yeah. and then I moved to private banking where I also was not having a bright future there yeah. I was an assistant being part of the meetings but yeah. not running the show sure. so when I look back today I really think that I had three years of my life three years and a half which were okay yeah 
but that helped me a lot to understand what I didn't want to do. Yeah, what you didn't want to do, yeah. Exactly. It's important, right? When exactly. you're at that age. Exactly. And especially when I look back today, I would never work in a bank again. Really? Like, it was not for me. It just wasn't for you, I, th yeah. I think it's, like, great. Uh, I think there's a lot of qualified people that can do the job much better than I did yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how did you get into recruitment after that? So the interesting thing is that I was working for Citibank on the private banking team. Yeah. And uh, one day, a friend of mine that was an intern with me in the audits team, yeah. he moved to a cards business, okay. like a Visa, MasterCard in Brazil. Yeah. And he applied to a job uh, through monster.com. Yeah. This was year 2000. Yeah. And this job was to work for Michael Page. Michael wow. Page, the big British... Uh, the White Sharks, yeah, you know, the White uh, of the UK. <laughs> uh, they were they were uh, starting their business in uh, Latin America. They okay. didn't have anything in Latin America. Really? So this friend of mine, he joined the business. Yeah. He went to be trained in France for a period of time. Yeah. And uh, when he got back, they said, "Hey, we want to hire somebody to build up the banking business uh, for us." Oh. And he thought about me, and he said, "Hey, come and meet He's these." Industry. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he was in the finance and accounting team. Yeah. And, he, and, and, he, and basically there was nobody in banking. Yeah. So he called me in. He said, hey, you know, I have this opportunity with, uh, uh, with this company. And uh, it was interesting. There was nothing about the company. There yeah. was not an office. I was going to meet two French guys, very nice guys, by the way. And uh, I said, you know what? Uh, I want to talk to the, those guys. Yeah. So I went for the first meeting. I never forgot this because... Uh, and we can speak about this later, you know, like the dress code. I always yeah. use blue suits, yeah. you know, red ties, blue ties, you know, like a, much more like of a McKinsey environment. I think that the recruiters need to yeah. you transmit the credibility. And I remember going to this first meeting with a, a, like a light brown uh, suit. Yeah, I was like completely dressed like uh, if I was, uh, I don't know, like an accountant yeah. uh, or doing something that was not really the recruiting business. Yeah. Uh, but I did pretty well. Okay. Um, I was approved. Yeah, so you got uh, the job. I got the job. And, and how long um, did you stay at Michael Page for? So I stayed at Michael Page for four years. Yeah. I, I need to say it. I need to say it was very exciting. Yeah. Uh, this, you're building it from scratch, basically. Uh, basically from scratch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was qu quite interesting to say that Page is probably one of the best companies for you to learn and yeah. understand how a lot to of people sell. Said that. Yeah. A little great training. Uh, great training. Um, if you have the right managers, it could be a great culture. Yeah, great brand uh, as well. Great you've got brand. Michael, obviously, I, although it's starting yeah. from scratch, you've got exactly. a big brand to lean exactly. on. I always say, like I have, I like to talk about the good things about my former employers. Yeah, for sure. So I learned a lot. Uh, the head of a page that today manages, you know, Latin America and uh, um, I believe Africa. Yeah, he's still a friend of mine. Awesome. Um, so I, I learned a lot. Yeah. So how so um, how many how many years did you was you a recruiter before you started uh, G four? Yeah. So interesting question. So I stayed in Page for four years. Yeah. In Page, I was, if I could say, clever to work in uh, the banking yeah. business, and then I went to their core business, which which was the finance and accounting business, yeah. and then I decided to launch the marketing and sales business. Okay. So basically, in a question of four years, I had. 
a pretty good overview of different of markets, different markets yeah. that I could hire. Yeah. Um, one day I was out on vacation, and this big known entrepreneur from uh, from another company he calls me. He had the the, the largest, uh, if I could say, uh, uh, job website in okay. Brazil. And What's he's, it called? Uh, Cato at Cato. the time. Okay. And he sold this website to a to a New York. A private equity fund for fifty million dollars. Oh wow! So this guy calls me in one day. Have you met him before? Do you know who he was? No, no, no. He he didn't know me, but he was very clever. He would go to the clients and say, "Hey, who are the sharpest uh, recruiters Recruiters, from Michael Page?" Yeah. And uh, four or five clients talked about my name, and he said, "You know what? Uh, I want you to join." So he made me an offer, and I said no. And then he made me a second offer. I said, "No, no, I don't think it's the right time." And then on the third offer. I said, you know what? I'm gonna move. Let's give I, it I wanna, go. I wanna give it a try. I was 30 years old at yeah. the time. And what? And what? So, what was you, was you selling the job or for people to use the job site? No, basically, I was opening a recruitment firm okay. to compete with Michael Page. Oh, really? Yes. So he had the money. Yeah. I had the stamina. You know, I had the energy. Uh, so basically, he said, "Look, I'm gonna give you 10% of the business. I'm oh, gonna wow. have 90% in the beginning. As you grow, I give you more." Okay. So, bottom line. I build a business from scratch. In yeah. two years, we have we had 70 people. Wow. Uh, we were billing figures of today probably like 15 to 20 million dollars. Really? And we sold the business. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, what, but mar- I, what markets did you do? Uh, so we were focused in São Paulo and yeah. Rio. Yeah. And we were basically focused in engineering. Yeah. Finance and accounting. Yeah. HR and tech. Wow. So it was interesting because we were getting pretty good volumes of business. Brazil was was growing at the time. Yeah. So when Tiger Global came in to buy his online business, mm. he sold it together with, with the our business. business. Exactly. I didn't want to send, sell it at the time. Yeah. But uh, it was the best thing that happened to me because um, I had a chance to, uh, with all the knowledge that I had, yeah. I had six to seven years of experience. I went to the United States yeah. with a business plan Mm-hmm. And I sold it to Robert Half. Oh wow! Okay. So exactly. So Robert Half. Yeah, yeah. Another the, huge global recruitment business. Exactly. And 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 the interesting piece of this story is that I was a 32 year old guy uh, with no fear. Yeah. I simply built up a business plan. I had met somebody from Robert Half in um, uh, recruiters event in Washington. Yeah. Actually, sorry, in New York City. Yeah. Um, because I was making a lot of questions in this event, you know, it was a small event, like 50 recruiters. Yeah. And I was asking questions, trying to understand global perspectives. And then during a coffee break, this guy approached me and says, hey, so where are you from, Brazil, blah, blah, blah. She says, hey, I'm from Robert Half, give me your card. So we kept card. Mm. And when we sold the business in Sao Paulo, I approached this guy and said, look, I have a business plan. Yeah. Would you guys be interested in doing business? Mm-hmm. He said, come to Washington. I took a flight, went to Washington, explained what I was doing. So he said, well, I'm going to speak to the guys. I come back to Brazil. The next day he sends me an email saying, could you now go to California wow. and speak to the global CEO? Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm doing that. So I build up a business plan, sit down with the global CEO, sell him the yeah. idea of Brazil, yeah. uh, 
three months later, we were, were building the business in Brazil. Really? And we built the business and from that, scratch. That, you're not talking about G4? No, no, no. This, this is already uh, Robert Half. So this is the Brazilian arm of of Robert Half, and you put together business plans to exactly, launch it. Okay, okay, exactly. Uh, so you did that how long for? So I was the LATAM managing director, mm. based out of the U.S. for four years. Wow! So we built the business from scratch. Um, and how did that go? Uh, really that well. Go? Really? The business was was running really well. Uh, Robert people? Half is a, is a powerhouse. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, How many people did you grow up to? Uh, oh, we had uh, probably 60, 70 yeah, so people. Same sort of size, left. and then was it similar sort of markets to the previous company? Um, no. Really? Uh, the, the interesting piece is, so if I, if I make a quick comparison, uh, I would say Michael Page is where I learned how to sell yeah. and to market. Yeah. Robert Half is the place where you know how to manage a business. Manage a business, yeah. So Michael Page is by far the best for sales yeah. and marketing. Yeah, yeah. But Robert Half is extremely good in policies, procedures, yeah. KPIs. So yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but, but in my opinion, Robert Half is maybe too big. Yeah. And I was too small yeah, in the yeah, company. Yeah. And this is one of the factors I decided to leave. Yeah. They are uh, probably a $5 billion business. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, probably out of the $5 billion, they're like $400 million in the recruitment business and the rest is temp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And that's not exactly where I believe I'm I'm situated. I'm more of, a, of the consulting type of profile that yeah. wants to sit down and, and, and less less maybe transactional and more of a, of a global recruiter, yeah. if I could say. Okay, so after that, after G4 that, was born. G4 was born. So when uh, when I left Robert Half, yeah. uh, I had to, to stick to uh, the no, one non-compete. year of non-compete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, and, and that's something that everybody wants to know. Always make sure you, you read the contract yeah. and you sign the contract. So you had a year. Uh, so I had a f- one full year. Yeah. So that was very interesting. Uh, it was good because I had a chance to build up a business plan. Yeah, really think about what Discuss with a lot of people, uh, find investors. So did you, uh, when did you get invested? Oh yeah, so okay. we got uh, private investors. Yeah. Um, and that was the interesting piece because um, I had the courage, yeah. I had the money to do it on my own, yeah. but I wanted to be backed up if necessary. Why? Why um, be- simply because you know, at the end of the day, uh, I always understood that, you know, it's uh, it's the same amount of energy if you want to think big or if you want to think small. Yeah. And I wanted to think big and I wanted to make sure that we could uh, do something very different yeah. from what most of the people want to do. Yeah, from your experience, yeah. Okay. What an amazing story. So from, from, what, from, from what we just heard there, I feel like you've had this sort of perfect grounding and experience to get you to the point of starting your own recruitment business. I think that's fair to say, right? Far from being perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but like in terms of, yeah, because a lot of people, a lot of people, particularly in the UK market, typically will, there'll be a recruiter under someone. So I, I, let's say I'm a, a recruiter for Ricardo at Robert Half. Typically a lot of people will start their own business from that experience. Mm-hmm. But obviously you had the, the experience of putting a business plan together, launching a, a, a complete new part of the business. So from from what you just shared there, I just feel like that must have been some a great experience to help you understand yeah. 
how to and how not to approach G4 and the business that you're obviously building now. So, so that's now what, eight years on now from that, from you deciding to start that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I can say is I'm humble enough to, to know and understand that we need to learn every day. Yeah, for sure. And I even, I would say I force myself to learn new things every day. Yeah. Uh, the recruiting business, and I admire a lot the recruiters be, because the recruiting business is very tough. Yeah. We have hard days. Yeah. We have long days. We have a lot of no's. Um, I think especially in the UK, we, we have a lot of positive things and a lot of negative things. Positive things is most of the companies are used to using recruiters. Yeah, definitely. So you don't need to educate a market. Yeah. And... Um, you know, like when I think about like Latin America, we need to educate the market. Really? Oh my God, yeah, you need to educate the market. It's, it's not easy. Mm. But at the same time, you know, when I look into the UK, um, people are very straightforward here mm -hmm. with the recruiters. Mm. Uh, sometimes, you know, like many, being a recruiter here is tough. Some, sometimes people, they simply don't want to speak to you yes. due to past experiences. Doesn't have the best reputation. Exactly, uh, which does not happen in Latam. Usually, people are very open to speak to a recruiter. Yeah. They're very open for a phone conversation to start. Yeah. So you know, we we need a balance, and we need we need to understand. Uh, the differences mm. uh, of each one of the markets. So what, what I'd really like to do, Ricardo, is just let's, there, there's loads of questions I want to ask you, but I think let's just sort of just break down the business journey just for everyone's benefit. So so you put together this business plan, you get you get investment to, to start this business. You launch at the same time, as you said. So you launched in, where was you, sorry, when you launched this business? Where was so when we started the business, we started in Sao Paulo yeah. and Rio. In Brazil, and Brazil, Santiago yeah. in Chile, and uh, Miami, US in Miami in the yeah. US. Yeah. So let's just talk about so the first, let's break it. So the first year mm -hmm. in G four, what was okay. that like? How difficult was that? Uh, tough. Yeah, we had to rebuild a brand. Uh, actually, build up a brand. Uh, I had my credibility yeah. to use because I had worked and hired in these four different cities. Yeah. Uh, but it was tough. You know, you need to build this from scratch. You need a uh, go to the clients and use your name yeah. and your credibility to bring business for you. And remember, I was one year out of the market yeah, 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 yeah. without doing so you had any to type of you hiring. You had to try and rekindle net your network and connections after a year. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it was a lot on my energy mm. and what I had to do uh, in the first year. I, I would even say there was maybe the first three or four years mm. and now the business has, has changed yeah. quite dramatically. So the first three or four years it was a lot of building relationships again, building your credibility under the new G4 brand. Exactly. But a lot of that was being driven by you. Exactly. And we need to remember as recruiters that, you know, you need to open new doors every day. Yeah. But you need to make sure that you keep the ones that you opened yeah, yeah. Uh, still open for you to do mm. business. You know? I think there's a fine balance there, right? I had oh, someone, yeah. I had exactly. someone on not too long ago that, yeah, because in, in, in the UK, business development, so winning new business, can be a really challenging part for a lot of recruiters, right? So picking up the phone, cold calling, opening doors, right? This is the most difficult this part. This is the most difficult, but it, as you quite rightly said, I think if you have 
but you also want to be aware of you don't want to be complacent right in terms of the relationships you have yeah. one client that spent hundred thousand dollars of you last year may end up spending 50 only fifty thousand dollars this year right yeah. um that's interesting so you so those three four years you was always focusing on your existing relationships and opening new doors exactly yeah I think it, it, interesting to mention, if I may, yeah. is that, you know, like, w as we have opened our global business, yeah. I could say that half of what we did was planned. Okay. And half of what we did was not planned. Okay. So what do I mean by that? That's, that's quite interesting. So we've decided to open in Italy, yeah. for example, in Milan, without having this plans. But we have three or four clients that have turned out to be global clients yeah. with solid operations in Milan. Yeah. And that's how we got in Milan. Okay. Now, when we decided to move to London, yeah. or we decided to now move uh, aggressively to New York, it's simply because there's a lot of opportunities in the financial markets or in specific industries, which we believe we can add value. Mm. Um, so you have some some parts of our expansion which are unplanned. Yeah, yeah. Or and you don't others, think you about. Followed opportunity. But the opportunities show up, and we have, in other cases, you know, mm. cities and, and and markets that we want to really do business because so, so, we know about it. So, so when when did you when did you start the global expansion? How long into the G four journey was it? Two, three years, and was it still in the beginning places that you started the business when did you start yeah. expanding globally i th i think uh we we had the global mindset since the beginning okay so you had the mindset that's great always the mindset and important to mention uh the global mindset starts on who we hire okay. so just to give you a quick example every recruiter that we hire we look into a few key things one is speaking more than one language Wow, okay. This is the first thing. Yeah. So we always look for that. The second key thing is international exposure. Mm. So what do I mean by this? If I'm hiring somebody uh, based out of London, I either want to make sure that this person has lived in a different country or has been exposed to multiple countries yeah. to understand multiple cultures. Uh, so this has been very important for us since the beginning. Yeah. Um, and as we built our business, just to give you some thought, uh, we have today people from probably 15 different countries. That's yeah, amazing. And we probably speak 10 or 12 different languages yeah. today. So that's really interesting. So from day one, your, glo your global mindset has meant that you've, when you're hiring people for your business, you've had those things in mind. That's really interesting. Yeah. When, so when did you actually start opening other offices? At yeah. what point? What, did you have if this was part of your plan but what I think would be really good to sort of get your thoughts on is if I'm listening right now and I'm thinking of growing my business internationally what are some of the sort of obviously it can't always be planned as you just said but I think what are some of the sort of key maybe metrics or key sort of milestones that you hit as a business to go right we're ready to uh, yeah, expand globally or whatever do you get what I mean what are some of the things that you ensured that you got to or the milestones that you got to that sort of gave you real confidence in growing your recruitment business globally anything yeah. there so yeah so there's a few a few key things okay i think that if i'm going to probably say about what is my mindset yeah, as yeah. i open businesses today 
uh, because I've I've learned a lot. Yeah. I had, uh, and I think I can say this here. I had some really dis- big disappointments. Yeah. I had a big disappointment when the, we opened uh, Germany. Okay. Uh, we opened an office in Berlin. Yeah. It was a disaster. Yeah. I hired a recruiter there, uh, which was a really good recruiter. Yeah. Um, but then we discovered that he didn't really speak German. He was living there with his fiance. He was a recruiter with uh, a lot of experience in the UK. Yeah. He had some German, but not as fluent as we needed yeah. and we didn't check that yeah so this type of mistake happens yeah but it was an opportunistic hire at the time uh we also had a really bad experience uh the first time we got in mexico yeah. we hired uh the wrong recruiter yeah. uh which didn't show up for work yeah so it's interesting to mention this because you know these things will happen yeah yeah you of know? course it uh, definitely be failures yeah and and honestly i've heard worse stories than this yeah okay now we had some really great experiences we hired somebody in colombia somebody in in peru people that do great jobs we have a really good job a good good team right now in um in uh, miami um we found some really good people in london uh but this takes time you know so important if you think about expansion you need to take a few things into account from a financial perspective understand how much money you need to invest and make sure you have money to keep the business uh, moving, if not growing, for at least one year. So, yeah, so before you think about opening another office, have you got the funds and cash flow to fund it for at least a year? For at least one year. So give yourself at least a year runway. Exactly. The second thing, don't think you're going to make money in the short term. Don't think you're going to bring in dividends to your uh, HQ in the first year. Just think about like making money and reinvesting this money in the business. So from a financial aspect, I would say this. The second important thing from a location standpoint, make sure you can be there and that you can be there at least three or four times a year. You know, this is a common mistake. People mm. say, oh, you know what? I'm going to expand to, you know, a different city. Mm. But maybe it's too far for you. Maybe you don't really have the time or the availability to visit and stay there for a full week yeah. and to get to understand the culture, to visit the clients. So you need to make sure that you have this. Mm. Um, the third thing in which I consider is the most important piece is make sure you interview and have a really good uh, process of bringing talent for your team. Make sure you understand the culture. Make sure you uh, uh, ask the questions. Visit the person more than once. Yeah. You know, like uh, we've we've already hired people through Skype. Big mistake. Really? Exactly. Um, I'm going to give an example. Today, I've uh, regrouped with a candidate that I've interviewed three months ago in London. Yeah. And I regrouped with this person again. It was excellent because I had a few things that I needed to check in and I actually had a different perception of this person uh, yeah. after three months. Yeah. This is important to take decisions. Yeah. Uh, so we, even though the pace of our industry is super you know, aggressive, yeah. uh, we're fast-paced, we need to make sure that we hire slowly when we're hiring for us. We need to make quality. sure 
exactly that we're taking the right decisions because then you're adding a headcount and opening an office, uh, you know, in a different country where sometimes you are three hours, 10 hours away. Yeah. And you need to make sure that you're able to manage this. Yeah. You know? Really, that's really interesting. So is it fair to say then a lot of your sort of global expansion strategy has been finding and cultivating relationships with recruiters that can open offices in in obviously different countries right yeah is that fair yeah has that yes. been so has that been the majority of the time where you've identified someone or you've ended up speaking to someone and then you've and then you've cultivated that relationship for them to go right we're gonna start a g4 yeah. uh, recruitment business here in london or whatever it may be yeah, yeah? if i could save like for for those of you that are listening to this and want to expand your businesses yeah. understand that hiring internally is one of the most important uh, activities that you will have. Yeah. Uh, I invest personally 30% of my time really? interviewing candidates. Wow. And I interview for open jobs that we have yeah. or also on a proactive basis. Yeah, yeah. So quick example, um, in the next two days here in London, I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing two, three candidates for us. Yeah. We don't have the open headcounts, but I want to interview because maybe we can open if the people are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in Milan, uh, Thursday and Friday, I'm interviewing eight candidates. Wow. Next week in Rio, I'm interviewing another four or five candidates. Yeah. So, so, you, so you've always had the mindset of always hiring. Exactly. You, you, you're not being reactive. You never exactly because you know finding the best people takes a lot of time. Yeah. So we established a culture that we don't wait to have an open position yeah. to then start hiring people. Yeah. We are actively looking for good people. And we have the ability today, we've grown the business to a size that we have the ability to, as we find good people, you know, open the jobs and bring them in. So this is a good thing. So the, our first four years, as you asked, mm. were very tough, you know, like we had to, you know, personally go visit the clients, build up a brand, build up a credibility. And now we have this, and this helps us yeah. to bring new talent. So yeah, we're yeah, gaining yeah. a momentum, which of is course. very important for us. What I'd love to get your thoughts on is like, how, how difficult is it to trust someone that obviously, you're, especially if you're hiring them as a, as a brand new hire, obviously you would have met them a couple of times, interview, these types of things. So then, so if you you met with me and we recognise together that I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm someone that can open a London part of your business. How hard is it? To, how difficult is it to trust that person? Yeah. Like, well, how have you dealt with that? Because that must be hard, right? Because a lot of people in the UK, the conversation I had has been obviously um, the challenges or the things that they're worried about is. So if I'm a like like you started in Brazil, or if I started in London, and I want to take my business to Brazil. I'm worried that the, the culture that I've worked so hard to build in the UK may not be taken to Brazil if I don't hire someone that fully gets what we are and yeah. what the business is. Yeah. So how, how, have you, how have you managed or how have you sort of enabled to trust people to sort of live and breathe the business that you've built that which ultimately you're, you're just hiring them? Do you get what yeah. I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so how have, yeah, how's yeah, that been? So, so I'm going to put it in a... In, 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 in from maybe a, a, an interesting perspective here. Yeah. So while we had lunch today, I was speaking to the team about, you know, the difference from the Brits yeah. and the Italians. Okay. 
they're very different. Yeah. And they're so close mm. and so far. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, like close in, in in a sense of like you know from here to Milan, it's a two-hour flight. Yeah. But they're they have completely different perspectives yeah. of uh, you know work and careers yeah. and so on. So, I think the first thing that we need to understand is that if you want to build up an international business, yeah. not necessarily a global business, mm. you need to respect cultures. Yeah. You need to make sure that you don't implement what you think is yeah. okay. right or what you think is, uh, 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 you know, your style. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, if I, I always say to people, you know, like sometimes the, the definition of speed or of quality of life is completely different yeah. if you ask a Brit or if you ask, you know, yeah. an Asian yeah, or a sure. Latin. I couldn't agree more. Exactly. Now, of course, you need to make sure that you have similar values. Yeah, that was going to be my And a similar culture here. So, and then this comes to the trust piece of it. So what we learned is that to build trust, we need to make sure that we speak and interact a lot, yeah. especially in the beginning. Mm. And that's why when we need to hire people today, we make sure that we have multiple conversations. So it starts in the beginning with multiple conversations. Yeah. And we're very transparent in what we do. I, I always say that I, I prefer to be extremely transparent and you don't like me, then okay. not being transparent, yeah. and then you discover who I am, and then you don't like me. I prefer to have a no in the beginning by you saying, look, you know what, after what we spoke, I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Like, I don't hire you, you don't waste your time, I don't waste my time, then hiring you, and then suddenly you discover something that you didn't like. Yeah. So we are very transparent in the beginning. And, and as I am transparent with you, and I set up what we consider are our standards of communication, yeah. our KPIs, how you will work, I want to make sure that you're good with that and that it makes sense for your career also. Yeah. So I think with this, we start building the Yeah, trip. yeah, no, I really like that. So just to make it clear then from your experience, I think it's really interesting. So the sort of non-negotiables of put obviously obviously respecting the culture you have to understand yeah what work-life balance might be for an Italian compared to a Brazilian sort of thing what are the sort of non-negotiables that you sort of now have if you're expanding with people globally so you said make sure the values are aligned and then was there anything else like yeah. the sort of non-negotiables great question so what I would say today you want to think about trust um, everything starts with communication yeah so there's always one thing I tell to everybody. Yeah. You want to work with us? Be transparent. Yeah. And be honest. Yeah. So I will never, or actually, I will, I can be unhappy mm. with, you know, bad news. Yeah. Bad results. Yeah. But I don't want to be surprised. Yeah, sure. So I prefer to have the bad news coming from you. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, something is wrong with the clients yeah. or I didn't do my job in the best way, that is fine, but I don't want to be surprised. Yeah, so the first so thing trust is complete starts, trust and transparency. Exactly. Okay. You, you need to make sure that if you're being surprised by the person you've hired, then, you've then made the trust is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is 
is uh, so non-negotiable trust and honesty from the get-go. E- exactly. So, okay. so I would say this is definitely the first thing okay. you need to communicate yeah. in the best way. Um, I think also, you know, uh, uh, in 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 the day-to-day, uh, you need to make sure that the results are showing up. Mm. You know, so um, I speak a lot about results. We have weekly meetings with everybody globally really? that we operate and they know what their their KPIs are yeah. and we go through the KPIs and um, I always give an honest feedback yeah. on a weekly basis weekly basis so, so you this have those keeps weekly, everybody weekly calls weekly calls how, so how do you communicate as a global business is it through like zoom is it through like yeah so 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 we have uh, a system pretty similar to zoom yeah uh, but but we also use Hangout a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So on the, so on a weekly basis, everyone, w- regardless of time differences, everyone we gets have, on the. We have a specific uh, time of the day that every like for example every uh, business developer for example gets into this specific call. Yeah. Uh, it, it's every Friday, every and we Friday. discuss results, yeah. and we also cross sell. So it's. Talking about results and cross-selling. So, so also, let's also say, opportunities to transfer business oh yeah. to each other. So let's say somebody visited, you know, HSBC in the UK, and there's HSBC in New York City. Yeah. So the business developer will say, "Look, I've been to HSBC. This, this, and this happened. And by the way, hey, New York team, yeah. there's an opportunity here. I visited this guy. This guy gave me this name in New York, and boom." We and how long have you had that process? Because I feel like that must be paramount. Yeah, this has been uh, going strongly in the last three months. Oh, wow. Exactly. Quite new. It's quite new, and it's amazing. The level of success, it's amazing. Really? How did I, how yeah, did how I did learn you, why this? Did, yeah, why, yeah. yeah. So there's an inter- interesting story. So I'm a very, good, a very good friend of mine. He was the global COO yeah. of Western Union, Oh wow. the okay. money transfer yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. business. And he told me once that uh, they transformed the uh, financial and sales analysis of Western Union by implementing the weekly meetings. The weekly meetings, yeah. So they said, look, we have 52 weekly meetings in a year, and we go, you know, one of 52, two of 52, and so on. So they started doing that, and it completely transformed the business. What, what's the what's the structure of the meeting? I think that'd be really valuable. So basically we do, it's, of course, like in our case, we have, um, 15 BDs. Yeah, so 15 so people on the call. 15 people on the call, and we, we need to be very straightforward in the I mean, call. Yeah. So it's a one hour and a half call. Yeah. So we start by, for example, we say, Chilean team, let's go one by one. So basically, what they say is they go, volume of meetings. So, so yeah, number, so of, you go number, the number of meetings in yeah. the week, how many jobs in, yeah. how many terms and conditions that were sent so, yeah, yeah. to discuss other jobs in, yeah. and then how many meetings you have for next week. Yeah, yeah. So when so, the, so the, the first thing they info, start with is the, the, the metrics that you've the identified KPI. that give you the best exactly. possible chance of hitting exactly. the results. So they start there. Exactly. Okay. So they go through these metrics. Yeah. When they end these metrics, and then it's open for anybody in the globe to ask questions. Yeah, so maybe yeah. somebody in, you know, Canada might say, okay, good. So you visited this mining company yeah. in Chile, which is a Canadian company. Do you have a, okay, a connection okay. or could you ask a name? And yeah, 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 you, yeah. you start the cross Awesome. Yeah. So everyone starts with, this. The, these are our results this week. And then 
after everyone going through that, there's an opportunity for everyone to collaborate and, and exactly. share. Exactly. Okay. Three months in, and that's had a big impact. Huge impact. Really? Uh, like, just to, just to give an idea, we get just from these uh, weekly calls, we've increased probably 50% the volume of jobs in. Really? On a weekly basis. Wow. And that's just by having clear communication on clear where communication everyone, of KPIs yeah. and strongly working on, on uh, cross-sell. Yeah, yeah. So what, what I'd love to just just to make, just maybe talk a bit about, so you, you, you shared a bit about around the sort of failures in some of the countries, but so you said three, the first three, four years were really challenging. You're in what, year eight, nine now? Eight, nine. Yeah. So how, as you've sort of grown internationally, how has this impacted revenues and and like and actual profitability of a business? Because you're cle you're clearly someone that obviously it's really interesting that you said that if you're opening an international office, then you need to give yourself at least one year runway of this business. Like, don't think you're going to be taking loads of dividends and these types of things. So that that's great. But how how what's been your yeah what's been the sort of balancing act with that and what's been the experience of that? So yeah. just talk a bit about that. So it'd be good to just talk a bit about that and that you're experiencing. I guess ensuring the profitability doesn't take a massive hit every time you're growing the business because you're playing the long game here, right? Yeah. So last year, uh, our revenues were up 35%. Yeah. Uh, we project a minimum of 40% for this year. Really? But I honestly think we could double yeah. the revenue. So what revenue did you do last year? Uh, we can't disclose that. Really? Yeah, we don't disclose <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, wh why don't we do that? Um, we had last year three yeah. different PE firms approaching us. What, to buy it? Uh, to buy. Wow. Uh, one of them wanted to buy 100%, which was quite strange, honestly, mm. uh, because they were like, we want to buy you guys and How we're going to manage it. How much did you own? Um, it's... Um, I can't disclose this all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Simply because I, I would need to have some approval from. Uh, no, that's fair enough. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, but uh, basically, um, so we, we grew, getting back, we grew 35%. We want to grow between 40 and 50% this year, but we clearly think we can double revenues. And uh, we've been profitable, which is the most important thing. Yeah, piece, of course. Yeah. Always. Um, but, uh, but, um, you know, um, if I think about like our expansion strategy today yeah. is going to uh, markets which the currency uh, is either stable okay. or strong. Yeah. So why am I saying this? Because like we have an experience of being in a market like Argentina, yeah. which is a super unstable market. Yeah. I would probably not go to uh, the African markets right now yeah. uh, I would be cautious about going to you know uh, let's say Eastern uh, Europe mm. I would be very cautious with that but I would be very focused in moving to you know Germany mm. where we have a lot to do um, uh, getting more into the domestic market of the United States yeah um, so if I could give a piece of advice uh, and if you want to start your international expansion, go to solid markets, go to yeah. markets where the currency is stable, yeah. or, or at least the, 
economics are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, before trying to do or to expand to places which can yeah. be extremely tough. And I simply say this because, you know, like we are hiring right now, for example, for Nigeria. And um, I spoke to a recruiter that said, hey, you know, like my strategy here is to to open in Mozambique, yeah. um, Morocco, uh, like tough, tough, tough markets. Yeah. And which, you know, when you think about, you know, like uh, from a revenue perspective in pounds, yeah. maybe it's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I know I it sounds simple, but is, okay, that may, is there any sort of key things then that I guess it can always change, can't it? These types of things, but any key, any key things you always look for that sort of gives you a really good indication or confidence that it's a strong market. Anything, yeah. any key things that you always look for, or yeah, not really. So one of the things I want to always make sure is: are there recruiters there? Yeah, and it's interesting because the more recruiters. And the more professional the market, mm. the better for us. Because this means that you have well-educated clients. Yeah, that makes sense. That are used to using recruiters. So it makes your life easier, you know? Mm. Your pitch gets better. Um, I need to remember that, you know, most of our competitors are the boutique firms yeah. in each one of the cities that we operate. Yeah, uh, And we bring in our edge is at the end of the day is that we're a global firm that can bring, you know, uh, many candidates that not necessarily are in London or in Rio and that might be outside of these cities yeah, willing yeah. to you come back in, yeah. or willing to work and build their careers yeah. with the companies in these cities. Okay. So over the last sort of couple of years then, I think you mentioned a bit around the failures. I think you've been really sort of open and transparent around your approaches and these types of things. But what, what, have, been, what have been some of the biggest challenges over the last four or so years then? So it seemed, yeah, what have been some of the biggest challenges of your, as you're really expanding this business globally? What, what are some of the challenges that... I, I would say it's all about the people. Really? At the end of the day. The people for your business. Exactly. So, and, and for the clients too. But you know, like uh, we have, as I mentioned, 80 people today. Yeah. We could easily have 120, yeah. meaning we could be 50% bigger than we are today. Yeah. But we learned that finding the right people willing to work in a tough industry like the recruiting industry is not easy. Yeah. So we really take time in finding uh, this talent. Mm -hmm. And uh, a quick example, um, we've opened... Uh, Bogota, um, we could have Where's that? Uh, in Colombia. Oh, okay. So we could have ten people in Bogota. Yeah. We're far from having ten people. Yeah. Because simply we we are interviewing and interviewing yeah. and interviewing. So the actual and we local have talent. A high high bar. A high bar, mm. exactly. So it takes time. So how have you got better at that? Um. How have you got? How have you improved uh, with your chances? So important things that we do. First of all, we don't make this uh, a process with too many steps or too many interviews. Yeah. But we make sure that the line manager. Yeah. Of the local which is, place. Exactly, which is the most interesting, interested part of of the process. Of course. Interviews the candidates. Yeah. Then from this, we take to our talent acquisition team. We have a global talent acquisition team. I was going to say, do you have team. a dedicated resource? Exactly. Okay. Uh, so we go to HR. Yeah. to our local HR. And then we put usually um, director interviewing 
yeah. this candidate, yeah. and then I interview the candidate. So you usually interview everyone. I interview everybody. Yeah. So usually we have four, minimum of four people interviewing these candidates. Yeah. Now, what we also do is we do an assessment. So we usually apply a Hogan What's that? to have a personality test. Oh, like a psychometric test. Exactly. So based on the report, we take a decision if a we can idea. hire yeah, yeah. a person or not. Because How long basically have you been doing that for? And that, that's a good question. We've been doing this for the last year. Because yeah, that's say. come up quite a lot recently that people have done that and it's had a big impact on making better decisions. Exactly, exactly. So our turnover has been going down. Really? Uh, exactly. Simply because we want to make sure that we bring in the right personality, that we bring in the people that that are in line with what we consider yeah. are the values and the yeah. culture of the business. And have you, have you got... Because I can just clearly that will definitely be the biggest challenge. I mean, that's the biggest challenge for people just in one country, let alone for a multinational yeah. business. So have you got different localized, the right fit type of people? Like, if, do, do you know what I mean? If you, if you, so your job openings in Colombia right now compared to your job openings in Miami. Like how di like how different are those people that you're trying to look for, and how how do you how do you communicate the G4 message effectively? Like how different is the local message? Do you get what I mean, or is it is it okay. different at all? Is it the same? Well, we we try to keep it the same. Yeah. But respecting respecting the culture, you know, yeah. the culture. But like, what do we look for? So if I think about personality, yeah. we're always looking for really good communicators. Yeah. So people that can speak well but that can also listen listen yeah. well you know and having good listeners is a big challenge these days yeah you know <laughs> everybody knows how to speak communicate yeah. you know uh do the instagram but you know like listening mm. and listening to what the client says or to what mm. a candidate says this is a big piece of it yeah. the second thing that we always look for is the level of energy mm. and we also look into how organized is the person because mm. this is multitask yeah. you know like recruiters have to speak to candidates speak to, to clients, clients. Yeah, cool. organize the resumes organize the reports yeah. so we look into these three things every time mm. a part of the global piece which is very important sense. for us and just okay? quickly on that before I, I before we finish i'd just love to talk to you a bit about your experience on um just just managing all of this talking about being organized insights and just you actually managing this business which obviously has its own challenges but um <clears throat> what i was going to say what's the what's the typical recruitment business model in in your offices is it this because so in the uk the typical recruitment business has been 360 right i don't know if that sort of that context okay. you, yeah. does that does that make sense to you in terms of so if i'm a recruiter right now in a uk firm typically my job will be multifaceted where i have to pick up the phone to speak to clients and open new doors and i also have to speak to candidates and, and do both of those and, and spin those plates right but what what's interesting is there's um and I, I think this has actually come from america is that um a lot of um uk businesses now are looking at having teams completely dedicated business developers so always opening doors new business right and then they have teams that are completely dedicated to sourcing yeah. and finding the candidates for these jobs and then obviously those two communicating effectively and having a slick process that enables people to have a real focus on these things so yeah how what's the t yeah how, how what's the typical have, have you got that in your business or yes. what really has yes. it always been like that 
No, uh, actually, um, I would say that we're very, um, we're not rigid with yeah. this. I think we learned with time that you can have 100% uh, recruiters, 100% mm. BDs, yeah. and you can have the 360. Yeah, yeah, so you're flexible with that. We're super flexible, yeah, and we sense. give people the uh, alternative. Opportunity, yeah. And, and they decide what they want. Okay. Uh, why do we do that? And maybe this is why this is growing in the US. You have a lot of turnover. Yeah, yeah. People leave the business. And one of the reasons that people leave this business is because the recruiter does not want to visit. Visiting clients is super tough. Yeah, yeah. Having New to business. sell, want to do that. cold calling, this yeah. is super tough. And me, and people get scared about this and they yeah, say, yeah. you know I was, what? I was very I'm scared leaving. at the beginning. Exactly. Really scared. Now, on the other hand, sometimes you have the salespeople that they don't want to recruit. Yeah, they don't want to do the sourcing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we keep and give the opportunity for people to do what they really nice. like and they're good to do. Fair enough. So this is uh, okay. our modus operandi, yeah. if I could say. So before we finish, yeah. so obviously we were saying, obviously before we started this, you're, you're a family man. Yeah. You've got four children? Three. Three, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to have four, but three is but a good number. So let's just, like how, how has growing this business we, we always have honest conversations on this podcast. So I guess before we finish, I'd love to just sort of, you've been very honest. So I guess how 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 has been the sort of the balancing act of Ricardo's actual life with growing this business? Because there, I mean, I can't even imagine the amount of plates that you're spinning and being really effective at communicating and setting up processes where you can communicate with all the different businesses and these types of things. So I guess, yeah, what, what's been your journey with that, Ricardo, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. What, what's been your sort of experiencing work-life balance, growing this business, what's that been like for you in your yeah. journey with that? I would say that, you know, it's uh, it's that learning, growing, changing mm. every day. Um, I would say that I've been more effective now that I've been in the last six months, and hopefully I'm gonna be better in the following six months. Mm. Things that I learned, I work by the hour, so every hour of my day I need to accomplish specific things. So you're really, so that's blocked I, out in your diary every hour. Exactly, so I'm very focused on what I have to do by the hour. Yeah. This is something I learned. And can I just say, sorry to butt in. Yeah. I th so obviously I've been in, engaging with your lovely colleagues and to book in this podcast. How involved was you in that? Not at all. In terms of like, so these people really, you got people dedicated to managing your diary. Exactly. Yeah, so I that's have, what I have like really a, efficient. I have like a PA yeah. that takes care of my uh, business life yeah. and also even about my personal life. Really? So quick How long examples. have you had that? Uh, I had that for a year and a half. Wow. Uh, it, which includes my, my personal life really? for a year and a half now. And how, how much of an impact does that have? Uh, huge. Yeah. I'm going to give you an example. You know, like uh, I manage a global, a global business. Yeah. I don't work on weekends. Yeah. Like I, I don't no literally no, no. like 7, 7 p.m. Friday night until you know, like uh, 5 a.m. Monday morning. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't need a, yeah, I'm, I'm completely off. I don't look to my emails. I can have time with my kids. Can have time for me, yeah. which is important. Yeah, of course. Um, but that, that's something that made, made a, a, a pretty big change. Um, and, and just think about this. I literally fly 40, 
five weeks of the year. Fly. Fly. I fly. You're in the plane. Yeah, on the plane. Forty-five yeah. weeks of the year. Yeah, I, I spend at the most seven weeks of the year uh, in my base. All the rest I'm really? flying out. Yeah, all the time. So how do, how do you maximize that time? Um, one important thing I learned a lot. You know, while I'm in the plane, this is when I can usually relax and watch my Netflix or my, <laughs> or my Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, to use it to relax. Yes, this is when I send many WhatsApp messages. Yeah, so that's, that's a good thing about all WhatsApp, the WhatsApp, WhatsApp messages. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's incredible. A great thing about WhatsApp. So, like, I and, and I learned very important. I don't text. I send the voice messages. Voice really? So, like, I literally spend sometimes like one hour preparing the WhatsApp messages for everybody. And when I land, there you go. know, I just. Send. Click send or just nice. get online yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it's done. It's it's amazing how how my, my life has been uh, easier now yeah. using you know the WhatsApp for everything I have to do. So it's blocking out each hour of your time, knowing what yeah. you need to focus on. Exactly. Uh, yeah, obviously doing the smart things on obviously yeah time if you're flying a lot. Anything else that sort of really impacted you personally in terms of sort of keeping on top of everything and managing this business? Yeah, and there's, there's one thing that I've changed in my uh, management style. Every time I sit down with a direct report, we, the direct report will write down everybody we discuss, uh, that, that everything that we discussed. Some right and minutes. Exactly, and yeah. send it to me and to everybody that was in the meeting. Oh, wow, okay. So this keeps me, instead of me having to write down or take ah, notes during a meeting, you've I got can someone else giving you the context of. Exactly. I can concentrate my time in making an effective meeting. Yeah. And then I get all, you know, uh, the, everything that happened to like maybe rethink. Mm. And if something is missing, then yeah. connect again. And what about, um, what about your mindset? Where does mindset fit into this? I've got a couple of questions that I definitely want to speak to you about resilience. Okay. And and how important that is. But where, I mean, you from you seem someone that's quite grounded, and sort of calm. And like, what where does where does mindset like? What's been your journey with mindset? I mean, in the UK, mental health and talking about your sort of yeah, talking about your mental health and managing this and these types of things is is huge, and a lot of people struggle with it in the in the UK particularly. So I guess. Mindset, where does this fit in for you? And what, what have you done personally to work on your mindset to help you manage all of this? Yeah, so there's a few things. First, m when I think about mindset, I think about, you know, me being a global uh, person. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm always uh, interested about people. Okay. And, and always trying to learn new things. Yeah. Now, Answering your question, a few things are, are, are very important for me today. So even though I work by the hour, mm. I always try to put a few things into my day. Yeah. So the first thing I learned, and I've been exercising, is that I wake up early. Yeah. So usually I try to wake up at 5 a.m. Yeah. I try to read. Mm. I try to exercise. Yeah. And I always look into what are my personal goals. Nice. And then I and then I go to work. And then you and then you start looking at. And then I start my day exactly. So this is something that it's almost like I have one hour. For and that's myself. that's Ricardo time. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my self care. Exactly. Right? So that's important. not my family. This is this is this me. Is, yeah, so important. You know exactly. Yeah. 
the second thing that I always make sure on my mindset is that I've not, I'm not influenced by social media. Okay. So I always make sure and understand that, you know, like if you look into an Instagram and you see, you know, this person, you know, like looking really good, really yeah, healthy, yeah, yeah. Or, or in a yacht or in a yeah. private jet, you know, yeah. I always understand that, you know, uh, great for them. I don't feel bad about me if I'm not yeah, you're having not comparing. this style of life. I yeah. don't compare with anybody. And I need to be honest, I compared myself a lot. Did you? A lot. And you know, like with time, you stop comparing yourself. You're just yeah, you, you and you're building your story. Yeah. So I learned that I need to build my story. Yeah. Some people will love it. Some people may, maybe yeah, will not yeah. love it. And you're, you become more and more comfortable with that. Exactly. But I would say that at the end of the day, what I'm building here is a story that I want to make sure that uh, my family, my friends are proud mm. of uh, having me as family yeah. or friends yeah. and building like uh, such an interesting story. That's yeah. awesome. And, and would you say then, before I ask you a couple of questions on resilience, would you say sort of ensuring that you give yourself that sort of time for self-care in the morning and, and, and have those habits, that's enable you to, yeah, be more present with your staff, family, Exactly. Yeah, I feel like that's yeah, it's a great anchor. That's what, is that part of why you do it? So then you you know that you've made that time for yourself. So then when you are with whoever the different people are, you are in your day, you can really be there because you know. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. That's that's had an impact on on me as well. Making sure I have time for myself on in the morning. Um, couple of questions on resilience. So the reason why I'm asking this is because in um, in March um, uh, we're having so in in November. I hosted the very first live podcast event. Um, so hosting another one in March in London, and the, the topic is uh, cultivating resilience and going the distance in recruitment. So I'd love to just get your thoughts and experience on resilience, and then I'll ask you the um, final question and what you're excited about, because I know there's a few things that you have planned and going on this year. So what does resilience in recruitment mean to you, Ricardo? What, what does it mean to you, firstly? Understanding that you're going to have a lot of no's, mm. more no's than yeses. Mm. Understanding that it will be tough. Yeah, it's not an easy easy path. Yeah. Um, understanding that it's long hours. Uh, understanding that it's difficult. Mm. But at the same time, having fun. Yeah, yeah. So being comfortable with the fact that it's not always going to work out. Exactly. But. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I, I always say that, you know, we need to understand that there will be a no. Yeah. And we need to expect that there will be a no and that there will be difficulties. Yeah. But if you do your job, the yeses will show up, yeah. the doors will be open. That's awesome. So how has the importance or need for resilience changed as the industry has evolved? That's a really good question. <laughs> That's a really good question. I would say that, uh, you know, we need to be patient. Mm. Um, I think there's more competition. I think there's more and more lack of talent. Mm. This is a candidate's market. Mm. This is not just a client's market. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, when you think about this, and uh, help me if I'm not answering your question here, but uh, you know, 
in the beginning we were like, wow, you know, tough to find clients. And actually, everybody needs to hire good people. Yeah. So, so what is the that? The problem biggest is that challenge? you're not yeah, finding yeah, yeah, yeah. the right people. Yeah. You know, uh, candidates are resistant to make the right move. Mm. Um, actually, not to make the right move, uh, uh, resistant to move. To move, yeah. People uh, move around a lot less. Exactly. So you you have picky clients, and you have picky candidates. Yeah. So the job of a recruiter has been tougher. Required more nose. It's going to yeah, more nose. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so it's just got more challenging, basically, which requires so. more rejection, more nose. I think so. Yeah. Last one on, on resilience. So I guess more so from you as a, as a business owner, what, what can people do to instill more resilience in their teams? I think there's, you need to educate the teams. Mm. And you need to educate the teams by telling uh, each one of your staff members that it's a tough job. Yeah. And be transparent. You need to be transparent. Yeah. You cannot tell, you know, like uh, that, that they will expect roses yeah. uh, on the way. Mm. You actually need to uh, 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 create the tough environment. Yeah. And maybe they will see it's not as tough as you're creating it. Mm. But if you don't say and go th- and walk them through Mm. since the beginning they will fall apart yeah yeah, yeah. because you know n- it's pretty hard to deal with tough clients yeah it's pretty hard to to deal with candidates that will tell you one thing and then do a different thing yeah you know so being resilient is you know overcoming all this yeah yeah but especially in the beginning with people that do not have this experience yeah. and do not understand where where the, this will come from, yeah. you need to be, play be tra- a big yeah, part. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, so before I ask you the last question, really enjoyed this, Ricardo. I think, I think you've been uh, great. Um, what, what are you excited about? I always, I always ask people, what, what, are you, what are they excited about? What are you excited about in your world? What's going on in uh, the G4 empire in uh, 2020? What, what's going on? Well, I'm, I'm first of all excited about, about the future mm. simply because, uh, you know, when you look back, uh, LinkedIn came and people thought, <laughs> wow, you know, the recruiters yeah, are over. out of business. It's over. <laughs> Far from being over. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the, the, the industry uh, uh, is well positioned. Uh, we never had so many opportunities yeah. to excel. Um, we need more recruiters, mm. honestly. We need more uh, people to find talent. So I think the future is bright. Uh, Every single country in the world needs to have uh, recruiting agencies. Uh, The the labor market is transforming itself. Mm. Governments are understanding the importance of, you know, uh, uh, having talented people to generate more business. Um, you know, like when you see to what happened in New York mm. with Amazon and Google, mm. you know, New York fighting to have these companies there, mm. understanding that they will generate more jobs, mm-hmm. more revenue. Mm. So just think about this impact in other cities mm. in the world and what can be done. So it's, uh, I, I would say the future is bright for everybody. Yeah, I think yeah. a big part, a big mission in this podcast, Ricardo, is... Th- sort of helping make recruitment a career of choice a lot of people fall into it right and i think that's that's the huge thing i think there's so many great opportunities recruitment can offer a lot of people but it's i hope this can play a part in 
helping people actually pick recruitment because I think it can do a lot for people. Um, but I know that your colleagues will hate me, but you've got you've got some exciting announcements in the uh, pipeline, right? <laughs> I think that, you know, I, I always say the pizza is big. Everybody can get uh, his or her slice. Yeah. So just make sure that you keep uh, doing uh, your job, you know, uh, uh, and and my marketing team here is telling me that I, I need <laughs> I to remember for you. everybody exactly <laughs> exactly with our global expansion uh, uh, soon we will have a different brand yeah. uh, so uh, G4 will, will evolve. change evolve change names and uh, yes uh, this is coming this is coming actually for a really good reason uh, but uh, we're gonna announce this uh, soon. soon yeah yeah. yeah. Last question, Ricardo, I ask everyone on this show is, um, so you can, you can answer this question with a, a word, a phrase, a sentence, whatever comes to mind. So the question is, if, if Ricardo could communicate to every single recruiter out there or a recruitment business owner, they'd take on your advice, they'd listen, they'd implement your advice tomorrow, what, what would you say to these people if they're all listening? First of all, focus in your business. Don't focus on the competitors. Mm. Don't envy the competitors. Just look at them if you want to learn something yeah. new and get better. But focus on your business. The second thing, don't have paradigms. Uh, you can build something which is maybe much bigger than what you have today. Yeah. Or that is much more profitable than what you have today. So you just need to believe in yourself and don't put any paradigms on what you have to do. Ricardo, it. it's been a pleasure. Thank uh, you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hishimazoos and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Roller coaster. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>